On a summer's day in the month of May, a burly bum come a-hiking. He was walking down the land through the sugar candy. He was looking for his liking. And as he strolled along, he sang songs of the land of middle Canada. Hey there, this is the Sounds of the Trail podcast, a place where we talk about the ups, downs, and switchbacks of trail life. It's time for a hike. Where a bum can stay for many a day, and he won't need any money. I uh, heard Billy Goat say one time, you, you mustn't think of Canada. Welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. This is episode number 30, the before and after, and I'm your host, Gizmo. This is uh, an in-between episode while I am currently hiking the Arizona Trail. I took a couple days off to try and get a podcast out and to take care of some other personal and podcast business, so I'm a bit squeezed for time. This episode is not quite as as produced, perhaps, as I would usually be going for, but I think that the interviews we have today are great and speak for themselves. That said, I should, uh, first announcement is that our new season of Sounds of the Trail with our 2016 hiking correspondence will launch officially on May 7th. I am not anticipating having an episode out between now and then because I will be trying to hike 500 miles and it takes... It takes some time, you know? <laughs> Miles never get any shorter, no matter how many of them you hike. That said, I, I have currently finished 300 miles of the Arizona Trail, and I do want to talk a little bit about that. The Arizona Trail has been burly, hard, rocky, windy, hot during the day, freezing at nighttime, and absolutely, absolutely perfect. I'm really happy, you know? Uh... I was lucky to have two trail companions for the first 300 miles, and it has been just such a joy to be outdoors and pushing my body and enjoying the company of of people who've been old friends and new friends to me. So I think think I'm going to be ready for the 2016 through hiking season in May. Anyhow... That said, today's episode is before and after. I have two interviews today, and one of them is with a hiker who has finished her thru-hike of the Arizona Trail. She did a thru-hike in 2015 and is talking about her experience one year later. And then we have another interview with Buff, who is getting ready to start his thru-hike of the Pacific Crest Trail in 2016. And they're both great interviews, but one thing that I noticed was that they were really different between the before and afters and just the subject matter and sort of what came up and what came out of them. And I think that that is a result of the trail and all the cool things that go along with being out on the trail. Anyhow, that's all I have for today. So let's start with our first interview, which I did with Sandpiper. And I think the interview speaks for itself. Let's take a listen. So welcome to Sounds of the Trail. This is Gizmo. And I am here with Sandpiper at the High Jinx Ranch on the Arizona Trail. And I'm really excited to be here with Sandpiper. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing here at the High Jinx Ranch? Hi, I'm Sandpiper. And I through hiked the Arizona Trail last year by myself in the year I turned 50. 
I started in Mexico in the Huachuca Mountains. I actually hopped through the border fence so I could be in Mexico, took exactly. a picture of myself, a <laughs> selfie, <laughs> hopped back through the fence, and I hiked it by myself, and it was an experience that changed me, which any thru-hiker can identify with. And then when I came back, I didn't really fit into my corporate job anymore, so I took a year off. I spent six months in the Grand Canyon, working for Grand Canyon Association. And then this next six months, I came back to the ranch, Hijinks Ranch, near Oracle, Arizona, to host the thru-hikers that come through and to help them the way Dan, the owner, helped me when I was here a year ago. So the Hijinks Ranch is a really cool place because it's apparently Buffalo Bill's old mining claim. And it's right off the Arizona Trail. I did not know about it before the Arizona Trail. And I just got to walk in and be hosted by, by Sandpiper. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more just about the ranch. Um, yeah, so what I know about it is essentially what's on the plaque out front, which is just that in 1912, Buffalo Bill Cody bought the ranch, um, and it was his gold mining claim. And gold was ever na never actually found here, and he died some years later. His stepson took it over, and it's gone through a series of owners ever since. And it's now listed on the National Register of Historic Places. It's a beautiful old piece of land with beautiful buildings that hold a lot of history that you can feel when you're in them. There's a lot of energy here. It's a beautiful place, and the one of the best things about it is it's just open to whoever may come by. Just the YMCA riders come up, horseback riders with the kids, and they experience it. Hikers drop in, curious people drop in. It's a very open place. Yeah, it's really cool. There's all these cool old stone and mortar buildings and weird bits of metal things that I don't know what they do. <laughs> but we're here in the lovely kitchen of the main house cooking dinner. <laughs> the noises you hear, we're sauteing <laughs> vegetables for enchiladas. A wonderful noise for any, any thru-hiker to hear. It's the best. <laughs> Anyhow, one of the things that I find the most interesting about you, Sandpiper, is that your Arizona Trail hike may have started in Mexico on the other side of the barbed wire fence, but I don't think it ended at the border with Utah. It did not. It didn't. And I'm still processing that experience. It is still impacting my life every day. And I, really, I'm still thinking about it and processing it and living it every single day. You're quite right. Yeah, Not a lot of people really <laughs> pick that up. I think it would need to be another through hiker, but I am, and it's what I'm doing here, connecting with the other through hikers. Yeah, and I th I don't know if your story makes as much sense without a little bit of background of what you were doing before the trail. Would you feel comfortable talking about that a bit? Um, yeah, I won't mention the company I worked for, but I was in clinical research, and it was a very corporate environment, and I traveled quite a bit. I flew several flights a week to many different cities. I would work in a hospital all one day, and fly to another city that night, and anyone who travels heavily for business understands it's a very disconnecting experience. It's, it's unlike the um, trail hiking as could, it could possibly be, and it's um, a little bit like trading a little bit of your soul for a lot of money. And then after I hiked the trail, I, I just wanted my soul back and kind of <laughs> gave away the money. Um, like, and it's, you know, it's not over. I'm still, you know, thinking about what to do, but it's, it was very hard to go back to the corporate world. Yeah, it seems like it was quite the transition. And one thing I think is always interesting about hikers is how they hear about a trail. And for you, it seems like the idea found you, and then you sort of fostered that. It did. That's what happened. I just picked up the Arizona Trail book, and I, was, I would just peer into the pictures and feel what the people 
were feeling. And then I would read beautiful phrases like Coconino Plateau. When I heard that, I knew. I was like, I'm going to walk on the Coconino Plateau all by myself. And I did. Because you're not from Arizona. I'm not. I'm from North Carolina. I'm like a beach bum. I'm I'm just um, (laughs) a cowgirl. We were talking earlier about loving to kayak on the ocean. And so I feel like Arizona is a funny choice. It is. But, you know, it's two ecosystems I really love is the ocean and then the Sonoran Desert. I'm just both of them speak to me at a very deep level. What was it like getting started on the Arizona Trail? It was scary. I was going by myself. Everyone thought I was crazy. Even Border Patrol was like, don't go there by, by yourself. The family that hosted me off, my family, a lot of people said, why would you go by yourself? But I really wanted to. Well, well why did you? Because I wanted to think. I wanted to just be. I just wanted to there be no filter between me and the experience of the, the mountains, the desert, the hunger, the fear, the beauty, the empowerment, the exhilaration, the terror, all of it. I just wanted it to just to seep right into me. That's beautiful. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, it is. I think, you know, there's something I've been talking to some of my other friends on the trail recently about about our first times, like especially first loves or but first trails, I think, are special too. There's there's nothing like the first time because there's so much that's so unexpected. And maybe you can think of something that just like was totally different from how you expected or or maybe something that was. No, so, so much was different. So much was different. I I've always been independent, but I've always known where everything was and what I needed to do. I'm just very organized, goal-oriented, and I do what needs done. And I got out on the trail and water sources that were supposed to be there weren't. I called every trail steward in advance. I knew what water should be there, when there was good water, when there wasn't. And there were times that good water wasn't there. It's like two days earlier it was, I get there and there's just dead bumblebees in this stock tank, nothing. And then finding how resilient I was, how I learned. I learned that there are these bluish purple moths. I call them water moths. I don't know what they're really called. But when they're fluttering nearby, there's water nearby. And when they're excited and they're really moving, the water's within probably arm's reach. It might be under a rock or whatever. But I followed the water butterflies, the water moths. And I followed game trails and stuck trails. It was so empowering to know how to find water, essentially. I mean, even today when I see the back berm of a stock tank, I have that thrill of excitement. There's water there. (laughs) You know, just learning that. Who knew you'd learn that? Yeah. Or who knew you'd need to? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, one of these days I'll need to know how to find those cattle trails to to a big pond of murky green water. That's right. That's right. And who knew I would be so excited to drink it? That's right. I just like take an extra chlorine dioxide tap. I just like put it in the water. I just I put one in the water and take one like an aspirin. Did you not filter your water? No, I didn't. I didn't want to carry a filter. Oh. So I just pulled out the chunks. <laughs> I mean, really, I did. Oh, I there were some big chunks. Out. There are big chunks, like a dead squirrel, bumblebees. Oh. But um, one thing I did is I had a little piece of mesh, like they would make a ballerina skirt out of or something. And tiny little square, probably didn't wear a gram. And I would put it over the mouth of my water bottle with a rubber band. For mm-hmm. the worst, worst water, I would pour it through that to try and take out some of the stuff. I had read uh-huh. this wonderful tip. Usually it fell, it fell in, and then like oh, everything was back in. But in the, the worst, worst water, I did strain it through that tiny little piece of mesh. Okay. What was, what was something that you brought with you that you ditched really quickly? Yeah. 
<laughs> binoculars, little cute, nice little binoculars. They didn't make it. I mean, they went back very soon. But I did bring one thing that I didn't have much that I didn't need. But I was in Barnes & Noble before I went, and I saw a little stuffed Peter Cottontail because it was spring, and I guess I had the Beatrix Potter display out, and he had on his little red cape. And I looked at him, and suddenly I wanted him with me on the trail in the worst way. And then I was very disciplined. I said, don't, you're not taking that. That's useless. And I picked him up, and I was like, oh, you're light. <laughs> Peter, you're my, you're my kind of rabbit. And I took him the whole way. In fact, he's in my bed right now. He was your little mascot. He Every night, every morning, I would shove him in the stuffed stack with my down sleeping bag. And, uh-huh. of course, he's all beaten up because he was stuffed in there. But I've had him ever since. And that surprised me. And who brings a stuffed rabbit? But I did. <laughs> you know... You know, when growing up, you always have, like, your your stuffed animal? Mm-hmm. Mine is a rabbit as well, so... It is? Yeah. His name is PJ Funny Bunny. Oh, that's a good name. <laughs> I still have him. I think he's under the bed somewhere at the moment. You should dig him out. <laughs> PJ he's not, he's not ultralight. He's not an ultralight he's bunny. He's not an ultralight yeah. bunny. Well, mine, mine was an ultralight bunny. In fact, I, I had a desert survival guide, and I... I propped him up and made him look like he was reading it. <laughs> and I texted the picture to my son saying, you know, prudent bunnies prepare before a long hike. Uh, how how do you feel like you describe your experience to people who ask about it now? Because you've been off the trail for just over a year mm-hmm. now. How do I describe it to them? Yeah. It's hard in words because it was, it changed me. It changed my soul. And that's easy to understand but it changed my brain I think you know the brain you know neuroplasticity of our brains and our neurons I really think it changed my brain and my soul and that's hard to articulate but boy anyone who's done it knows well I think about what your job must have been like before with all the traveling and the high stress high pressure high responsibilities but also sort of the speed of it and something about a through hike is that it sort of takes a while to go a mile yeah, it does. That's right. That's right. I was always and you can walk really and... fast, and it still <laughs> takes you several, you know, it's going to take you 20 minutes at, yeah. a, at a stiff, stiff walk, you know? Do you think that that was part of it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, slowing down's hard for me. I, I work very hard on slowing down. In fact, when I want to slow down, I go for a run, and then I come back, and I'm like, damn it. I missed that was not the way to slow down. It's just like I'll, I'll wear myself out and I'll come back and I'm all keyed up, ready for another run. So slowing down is hard. And through hike, you know, there's no option. You slow down. I'm trying to think like what, because it seems to be like you say, you keep saying it changed you, you know, and, and what, what about it? Like when you see yourself now versus before, do you think you would have imagined that you would change this much? No. Would you have no. done it if you'd known you would change this much? Yes, but it wasn't an easy changing this much. I was very comfortable, and I found my job very stressful, but I was comfortable with society's expectations of me. I had met them. I was doing them. I was going through life, just meeting every milestone, and suddenly I'm not. Suddenly I'm, you know, to my family, it's like, well, we don't know. She went on this hike, then she took a year off work, and then she's like waiting for me to come back and rejoin the corporate world, and I feel like, oh, no, (laughs) I may be disappointing you. It was very, um, I'm conflicted about the change. I'm, I'm embracing it. It is what's authentic to me, but it's not simple to simplify. It's really not. Yeah, I can see that. And do you think, I remember you mentioning earlier in the car that you felt like you had really cared about some of the things that came with this job before. And the difference was, was that you suddenly didn't care about it. 
But do you care that other people care? I do. And I care about, I mean, research into investigational drugs is important. I care about that. What I didn't care about was the money that the corporation would make, because a lot of big pharma is money. It's, it's two things. I mean, it's big money and the pursuit of big profit, but it's also finding, you know, investigational drugs that work, that bring treatments that people need. And I do care about that. And I try to have a broad enough view to understand people who would dedicate essentially their life energy to a corporate environment. It's not for me, but I, you know, a lot of people I know are wonderful, um, evolved people, and that's what they do. Uh -huh. Has it been hard to leave that community behind? It has. It's weird. I don't fit anymore. I never did since I got back. I just don't. I feel like I'm walking a half step to the side or, or something with everything, with my corporate, my former corporate professional life, even with my dear family. I'm walking a little bit crooked and different. That's a heavy thing. It is. I miss fitting. I miss walking in step with everyone and everything around me. But, but walking half a step different also means that maybe you're seeing things that yeah. other people aren't seeing. But it is. It does, and I wouldn't change it. But I miss fitting. I fit. Everything fit. And now it doesn't. You can't go back. No, you can't. You can't take it back. We like to say in our podcast that through hiking ruins your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me tell you. But not, a, not in a way I would take back. You're right, and I wouldn't. But... It's complicated. It is complicated. I think one of the things that I wanted to talk about as we're getting ready to sort of launch our second season and talk to all the new hikers just getting started and, and experiencing these things for the first time. It's easy to stop talking about the trail when the trail is over, but for many of us, the trail isn't over in that sense, and we carry it with us in many different ways. And, and I feel like for you, it's, it's very distinct that it's that you're carrying this trail with you and you're still you're still on the trail you actually still are actually on the trail <laughs> because I, the branch is on the trail I'm on, yeah. I'm on the trail and yes i am also <laughs> my soul and my heart all of it is still on the trail and i'm trying to figure it out you know how do i you know stay a good mother to my sons who are grown um a good daughter um my parents are getting older. They're in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And instead of, and they live independently. They don't need me, but they would love me to be there. But, so what am I doing in Arizona? What am I doing 2,000 miles away trying to figure this experience out? What do you think figuring this experience out would look like for you? A sense of peace. A sense of peace. Knowing that at age 50, <laughs> this is a good midlife crisis. Um, <laughs> right? Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I should know how I want things to, to turn out to be. And I did know. I, before I hiked, I knew. I was doing it. I was doing it just right. Just what everyone expected and what I thought was right. So figuring it out will be that sense of peace that comes from knowing that I'm, I don't know. I think I'll know when I know it, but I don't right now. What if, what if not knowing is the point? You know, I've, th I've thought of that, <laughs> which would be the good news, since I don't know. <laughs> that may be. Um, and, you know, everything is always a journey. I'm not even looking for things to be pat. I just want that sense of peace that I'm still being a good daughter and mother and family member and community member. And that this isn't a selfish exploration. 
Well, I think it's interesting that you've chosen to to explore that by joining a community. Like you've come yes. back to the trail to be yeah. part of the trail community I have. I to have. see if if that's maybe. You know, I don't know if you did that consciously. Not consciously, but I clicked right in. I just clicked right in. When the first hiker came through, I just wanted to hug him. He was the age of my younger <laughs> son. He looked tired and hungry, and nothing brought me the joy that I can think of cooking for him, you know, showing mm-hmm. him to his soft, warm bed. He was so happy. So, yes, clicking back in with this community um, was very important and is definitely part of the journey. Yeah. I think there's a there's a whole support group of... There is. Of... of Former through hikers. Yes. We're all walking half step off. Yes, the half step. I, I, myself, I'm still looking. I'm still trying to figure out what it means. And I thought maybe I knew what I wanted for my life. And now I'm not sure that I do. (laughs) But what do I want? And, And, you know, but one thing I feel like I took away is that I at least can really appreciate what today is. One time I asked my mom, what was her favorite age to be? Uh-huh. And she said, whatever I am right now. That's just a beautiful answer. Yeah. And today is the best day. These moments. Yeah. Right now. And you get to, to live in the, the tower overlooking the whole yes. San Pedro River Valley and watch the sunrise. I watch the sunrise every morning. I saw the same sunrise as you this morning because we were I up know. on Oracle Ridge and it was a good one. I know. It was a good one. And we'll watch, you know, the same moon tonight. Yeah. And a year from now and 20 years from now, we'll still watch the same moon. What if you had to give one piece of advice or say anything to anybody? Who was going to hike? Who's listening to this podcast? Hike. Go out there. It's really hard to leave your job. You know, even if you're just doing it for a few months, I don't mean just leave it, but it's so hard to arrange and get the time off and raise the money and get the gear and get motivated. But do it. I do think a lot of people have asked me, like, how how is it possible for all these people to just take all this time off? And, like, there's a magic answer. There's not. You pay the price. You yeah. do it. The price is financial. It's, you know, sometimes emotional. It takes time. It takes energy. You just do it. You decide you want it more than you want to not to keep on, you know, to keep in your flow. You want it more than that. Thank you so much for this interview. You're welcome. Thank you, Gizmo. So there have been a lot of wonderful things that have happened and been a part of my my Arizona trail through hike so far, but getting to meet Sandpiper and spend time with her really has been one of the highlights. So I'd like to thank her again for for being so open and taking the time to do that interview with me. Our next interview is with Buff, who is about to get started, and this interview is conducted by Homework, one of our new trail correspondents, who we will be introducing more properly coming up soon. But uh, it's a great interview, and Buff's excited and getting ready to go. And for those of you folks who are are always asking me to feature more hikers of, how they say, advanced age, <laughs> which I think means anyone over 30 on the hiking world, uh, here, here's one for you. All right, this is Homework here, and I'm with my good friend Buff. Uh, we are on the Lost Coast. Uh, Buff, do you want to kind of describe where we're at right now, what we're looking at, what we're doing? Hey, good morning, everybody. Well, we just woke up, broke camp, sitting in the windbreak here at Big Flat. It's a popular destination for surfers. We're eight miles north of Shelter Cove. We walked 16 miles yesterday. 
starting at low tide at 10.30. We're gonna leisurely finish our hike into Shelter Cove this morning where my wife will come and pick us up and take us home. So, Buff, why are we doing this hike? Like, what's the point of a little overnight when we have a huge, you know, through hike coming up ahead of us? Well, you're gonna do the CDT or a good portion of it, and I'm gonna attempt my first through hike of the PCT. And so it's a little shakedown hike. I came out here about Halloween and did this hike as well, just to see how all the new equipment works, I guess, on huh? if all the muscles and the feet hold up. Yeah, for any listeners out there living in Northern California or Southern Oregon, you should definitely try to get out here to the Lost Coast and uh, try out your system. And it, it's a fun hike. It's definitely um, lots of different mixed terrain, sand, black sand beaches. You have to check the tides. The weather can be a little unruly. Uh, you carry a bear canister. Um, I mean, we were out here, we did 13 miles yesterday. 16. 16. And we're feeling some hot spots on the feet. So it's it's a good, like Robert, or sorry, like Buff said, it's a good little shakedown hike. Get ready. Hey, can I uh, preface this by saying that we started this hike on February 29th, which is leap day, leap year. And today <laughs> is Trevor's birthday. <laughs> and I'd like to... Um, start off by uh, extending a well wishes for uh, Trevor and his birthday and my name's homework homework <laughs> and his uh, upcoming year and I'd like to present you with a little gift that I made for you what okay I got some P cord here and it's uh whoa is this a sling I made you a rock sling on Saturday whoa so it's so, a P cord rock sling so uh, you can practice your your rock throwing skills while you're on the CDT and maybe you can try it out here this morning on the beach. Right on. Thank you. <laughs> Happy birthday. That's a very unique birthday present. <laughs> Excited to play around with that. Um, so anyway, back on track here. Um, thank you for the birthday wishes. I want to talk a little bit about your story, Buff. You've got the Pacific Crest Trail coming up for you. And first of all, how long have you, you been planning this hike? Well, let me first by saying that I I'm uh, 62 currently, mm. and I'm gonna actually start my hike on April 6th. That's my 63rd birthday, so that's kind of timed it right on my birthday. I first hiked most of the John Muir Trail when I was 20, so that little seed was planted a long time ago. But then, like a lot of people, I met a girl, had children, and finished college, had a career. During that time, the family and I have We've hiked this trail a number of times. I was trying to count. I think this is the seventh or eighth time I've been on this trail. Uh, there was a big gap in there. I first hiked this trail in, when I was uh, 23 in 1976. I first hiked this trail. People didn't really do this back then. And then, of course, we took the kids on this trail as soon as they could kind of get backpacks on when they were about 10 or 12. And we hiked the Trinities, the Marbles. And uh, my, especially my daughter fell in love with backpacking, but because of responsibilities and, and uh, other interests, I didn't, I haven't been on this trail for a long time. Then just here and Halloween, just before Halloween, I came down and hiked the trail by myself. And, and then Trevor and I met and decided to do this trail. Here we are, it just couldn't be any better. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm semi-retiring giving up my full-time benefited position at a hospital that I work at as a surgery charge nurse and starting on this epic transition into my, my, my new life. When did you first learn about the PCT? So 
I've known about the PCT just because of, you know, I hiked the part of the John Muir Trail and I've always, you know, kind of read things about it and things, National Geographic, of course, and back in the old days. Probably the most interesting part of the story is I met other PCT hikers. And it's kind of infectious when you meet them. <laughs> and I was at uh, Bernie Falls uh, State Park in 2013. And I walked up to the store. I had driven there in a car. But I walked up to the store and saw these guys standing around the store with their white priority mailboxes. And uh, you could smell them about uh, 20 <laughs> feet away. And I happened to go up and just start a conversation one, with one of them. And his name was Storytime Senior. <laughs> and he was a defense contractor for Raytheon. Uh, you would have never known it by the way he looked and his beard and his <laughs> scruffy appearance, but a very educated man. And during our conversation, I said, so do you think I could do this? He said, yeah, you only need to have five months. Mm -hmm. Those early people that I met were, you know, were quite infectious and I caught the bug and now I'm, I'm hooked. So what did, what did your wife think of all this? I, I know you're an avid uh, hiker blog follower, as I am too, and I imagine... You know, you mentioned you share a lot of YouTube videos with her every night of hikers. Is is she on board? Does she, is she worried about you? Where is she at with everything? Um, I have a funny story. When the kids left home and we had an empty nest, she decided she needed to find out who she was. So she went to college, uh, got an AA degree in ag stuff, greenhouse work and stuff. But she also went to Palm Springs for five months and attended a... Uh, live-in massage program for five months cost me seven thousand dollars to send her there <laughs> and uh, and I visited her a couple times while she was down there because that they were very strict but this is my five months now so <laughs> she owes me and no she's fully on board and you know it kind of took a while because like I said we're kind of transitioning into retirement as well I'm not going on to Social Security but I am changing my work status and going to be leaving work for five months. Yeah, you are completely altering your life. You're transitioning onto the trail. And something that's really interesting to me is um, your wife, Connie, you guys are, you're basically getting your entire property. They have a farm. They're getting it ready for the summer for Buff's absence. He's not going to be there to help, you know, do burn piles, prune trees, all this stuff. So they're doing it all ahead of time. And that, I mean, the usual hiker preparation of building resupply boxes, getting your finances in order, all that stuff, this is a whole different layer. How has that been? Well, like most people that I read about who are putting their things in storage or they're sending their packages to mom's house and storing them in the garage and giving up their apartment, I still have to have a, a home that I have to support. I have a, some, some, you know, I have people in my life that are on board with this. I have a great next door neighbor. I have a son-in-law. Uh, uh, that lives nearby. Um, but uh, yeah, we have to get everything ready. I'm also a beekeeper and kind of an amateur beekeeper, not professional, but I had 10 hives this last year and harvested about 40 gallons. And I've been doing that for a number of years. So cool. And then Connie and I, of course, garden and we sell certain things. We sell mainly tomatoes where we live. She sold over a thousand pounds of surplus tomatoes last year. And we're, that's kind of what we do. You mentioned you're turning 63. That's, you know, I think it's less than 5% of hikers are over the age of 60. Are you nervous about anything with your yeah. age or? Well, of course, I'm, uh, you know, I've got my aches and my pains, but I've been a, 
I've been, uh, you know, I've worked a lot outside before I worked in the hospital. I, I've been a cyclist, a road cyclist for years. So we did 16 miles yesterday and, and I felt pretty good at the end. Of course, the sand in your shoes and everything, it affects your feet. But I don't know, I guess I'm worried about, I'm worried about aches and pains and tendonitis and all the things everybody else is worried about, I guess. But mm -hmm. what has it been like, you know, you partake in Facebook and you're on the PCT Facebook page. What's in, you're getting really close to your hike days, just a couple weeks away. What, what's the overall general anticipation rate? Are you excited? Do you feel like a buzz on the social media about it? I mean, we're right around the corner to hiking season. How does it feel? Well, it's real now because I have a, I have a ticket to go there on April 3rd. So <laughs> it's, it's done deal. I'm going, you know, I have a start date. I have a permit, all those things. So it's, it's real. And I'm really excited at work. It's hard to keep my mind on, on work all the time uh, because I am so excited <laughs> about, about doing this. The only thing I can compare it to, the anticipation of before a long hike, is falling in love where you just can't think about anything but that and you can't talk about it. You could talk about anything but that with friends and <laughs> everyone's like, get it over with already. <laughs> yeah, my where I work is, is throwing me a, uh, uh, a retirement party. I tell them, I'm not retiring. I'm just transitioning. <laughs> I'm not really retiring. I'll be back, you know, but part-time. I don't plan on doing the current job I have. No, I mean, it's... it's, it's uh, you know, all the plans are in place. Everything is done. Of course, it's nerve-wracking. I think my biggest kind of worry right now is is, uh, is food. <laughs> and I was watching Trevor cook uh, not only breakfast this morning, but dinner last night. And I've got a lot to learn about <laughs> being, being creative. Yeah. So what do you imagine it's going to be like? What is, what is your expectation? And I could pause it if you want to take a sip of coffee or something. Taught chocolate. What do I anticipate it's going to be like? Well, it is an unknown to some extent. I love the desert. I'm going to enjoy just hiking in the desert and go from there. I uh, heard Billy Goat say one time, you, you mustn't think of Canada. <laughs> so I don't plan on doing that. I plan on just starting off and doing a series of two to five day backpacking trips, I guess, and try to get my legs and try to get a routine down and and not be too uh, presumptuous, I guess. What are you most nervous about? Well, I think my most thing I'm most nervous about is injury. You know, if I get a tendonitis or I get some kind of an injury, I was so worried about a knee problem I had, I went ahead and got a knee arthroscopy just a few days before Christmas uh, just to get that all cleaned up. I had a torn meniscus. And I went and got a full physical and uh, got the blessings from the doctors that I'm physically fit and there's no issues. There's no reason not to hike. Uh, my blood test and everything's good. So I'm a little overweight. I'm at 205 pounds approximately for six foot two. I'm, uh, I'm probably at the, I weigh the most that I've weighed in many years, but I think that will be short lived probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll lose that pretty quick. Why are you choosing to do a through hike? Like, do go from start to finish instead of section hiking states? What's the allure there? Well, I've always had a bicycle, but when I was in my 30s, a friend of mine asked me, hey, you want to go on a 100-mile bike ride, a century ride? I couldn't even imagine 100 miles on a bicycle. And one thing led to another, and pretty soon I'm traveling all over doing these 100-mile rides, you know, and fairly competitive. I've never won anything, but I'm fairly competitive. 
And then one thing leads to another and you go, well, if I can do hundreds this easy, how about two hundreds? So I started doing double centuries and was competing in double century rides for a while. So it's kind of like, I think it's part of my personality that I'm just not happy with going out and taking a bike ride to the coffee shop and back. I got to push myself and I've got to, plus I've got the time. I've got the money. I'm, I have no reasons to go back to work. I need a break. Yeah. <laughs> and I have complete support to be out as long as I want. So I'm just going to try to go for it and see what happens. If I make it to, you know, as far as I make it, it's all going to be a success, but I, I want to make it to Canada. I, I heard a, I, uh, I can, I, uh, participate in cycling races by crewing and things. And you never show up to a bike race, not thinking you're going to win because you've already lost. If you think that you're going to lose, you've already lost. You have to show up with the attitude that you're going to win. But you mustn't think about Canada. But you mustn't, according to Billy Goat. <laughs> I love that word. You mustn't. So I interviewed uh, Spiral, which is Kevin Hoover. Another Humboldt County resident. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about how the start date's coming up and everyone right now is scrambling to get their gear together. And, and he's one of those people just really trying to fine tune his system. What's been your general philosophy on gear and what what does your preparation look like logistically right now? Well, you know, in, in terms of ultra lightweight, lightweight, things like that, I'm not ultra lightweight. You know, I'm not the lightest person out there. You know, I have things that I think are going to sustain me and keep me safe in storms and wet weather. I'm, uh, like I said, I don't want to be presumptuous and head out there with stuff that's not going to keep me safe. What was your question again? Well, I, particularly relating you to Spiral, he's in his early 60s, and so, and he also hasn't been an avid backpacker since, you know, years ago, and he's completely phased out all of his old gear because it was ready to retire anyway. He had an external frame, his sleeping bag was really heavy, and so he's been collecting all of this, this new stuff. Have you been doing something similar? Yeah, my old backpack was a Dana Designs external frame that weighed nine pounds. <laughs> so I changed that for a ULA that weighs three. Nice. So I just did a little bit a couple weeks ago, of a little bit about my grandpa's history of hiking from San Francisco to Seattle. And for me, that's been a huge part of my, I guess one of my excuses of why I am a long distance hiker is it's in, it's in my blood. And I feel like when I hike, I'm carrying on a family legacy. Is there any part of your background, family history, that, that makes you feel more equipped to do this kind of thing? Well, I do have a lot of life experiences, but uh, I've had a lot of outdoor work, done a lot of things outdoors. You know, one of the things that a lot of the college students have going for them is intelligence and youth. <laughs> <laughs> but not a lot of life experience. Right. I have the, uh, I have the life experience and not a lot of intelligence or youth. <laughs> but, uh, what else? You know, to speak to that, when the company Outward Bound, um, it's an outdoor education company, they were originally founded in World War II. And what was happening is the, the German U-boats would sink merchant marine ships. And it was all the old salty sailors were the ones that were living. And it was all the younger ones who would just kind of perish and drown and stuff. And and that was it. They didn't have life experience. They didn't have that grit and tenacity that comes comes with living. So, I mean, that's a huge edge on the trail. It is so mental. They, sure, there's the physical parts, but 
like we were talking about yesterday, people drop like flies when they, they hit the wall mentally. Not everyone can push through that part. You know, um, having ridden double centuries, a lot of it is, is not just physical, it's mental because you got to ride through the pain. You just, you're just worn out and you got to keep going. I hope that helps. You know, like I said, I don't want to presume that I'm going to be a total success here, but I sure dream about it. But it's funny because right where we're sitting right now, I used to be a commercial fisherman. I moved here in uh, 1973 for my first time. I started commercial fishing here in 1975 off Shelter Cove, worked uh, out of Fort Bragg on a a couple big boats and actually bought a couple small boats myself. So it's weird to just know that right out here, I used to commercial fish. That's not easy work. We'd be out 10 days at a time uh, on an old stinky fishing trawler, salmon trawler. I worked in the woods. I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show, uh, History Channel, Axemen. Well, I did that kind of work for years. We didn't have all the drama with the personalities, like what makes that show popular, but we had all the heavy equipment and I did that for years. I lived in a logging camp. You know, I'm up in the morning at sometimes 3.30, 4 o'clock every day and, you know, working uh, 10 to 12 hours uh, logging. Let me just say parenthetically here that I've learned a lot and I'm, I'm, uh, I would call myself uh, an environmentalist now, but in my youth, I did anything I could to kind of put food on the table for the kids and I wasn't real smart. So I'd get a job where I could and I worked in the woods. Okay. But I've, I've had all these life experiences like this where I've done really hard things. And I hope that, I hope that um, those life experiences can transfer over and I can, you know, cause I know that, and I've, and I've watched people on YouTube, especially this guy named Captain Dan, who's about my age, and he was just doing so good this last year, and he gets to Etna, California, and he just goes, today's my last day, and I I uh, emailed him, and I asked him, what happened? You know, what can you tell me so that doesn't happen to me? And he had, <laughs> he said he just had so much weight loss and fatigue, mm. and his diet was really bad, okay. and... Um, and he was about, I think he's about my age, 60, you know, 60s. And he just up and quit. So who knows, huh? Mm-hmm. You never know. What do you feel like would be the one, the one thing that would get you off trail? Well, like I said earlier, I, I'm worried about, you know, tendonitis and things like that. I have had iliotibial band fasciitis in the past. I fought that. I've had plantar fasciitis. I fought that. I don't currently have either one of those right now but you never know when something like that shin splints or something could raise its ugly head um i guess the other the next thing would be mental loneliness uh of course i don't feel probably at the beginning of the trail i'm going to be lonely and it's funny because having uh homework here yesterday and i was following him and it just seemed like the trail just went really fast yesterday. <laughs> 16 miles went fast because I was in good company. So uh-huh. I think maybe having, making friends and, and having good company will, will help with any kind of loneliness issues. Well, what's your one luxury item? Well. Or should I say your five luxury items? Where are you at with that? Well, here's my first one. And that's a good inflatable sleeping pad. Uh, And I brought my wife's with me last night. We both have X-Peds, which I know are heavier. Uh, Hers is a medium and mine is a a long wide, which is like, you know, 20 ounces or something. 
but I'm telling you, it's so nice to have something comfortable to sleep on. Because mm-hmm. I remember hiking the John Muir Trail at 20 with an Insulite foam pad and, you know, waking up. Even then, in those days, your side would be numb and things like that. So I'd say my number one luxury item is a good inflatable pad. Nice. Well, is there anything else you want to share, Buff? Well, uh, I'll say one last thing, and that's to all the people that I'm going to be hiking with this year. I'm just really anxious to meet everybody, and I'm really in awe of everybody else that's making this decision to do this. Yeah. I just think we're going to have a great class. Yeah. 2016. Let's do it. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Buff. All right. This is Homework signing off. And this is Buff. All right, that is all that I have for you today. Thanks again for listening. Please look forward to our official launch on May 7th of our second through hiking season. It's going to be great. I'm really excited about it. And I need to get going because I'm getting back on trail today and I still have 11 miles to do and I haven't packed my pack yet. Anyhow, I'm going to be out on trail and I hope you will be too. And until then, happy trails. Rock Candy Mountain, you never have to change your socks. And little streams of alcohol come a trickling through the rocks. All the railroad bowls at the tip of their hats, and the railroad bowls are all blind. There's a little lake of stew and a whiskey, too. You can paddle on around it in your big canoe on the big rock candy mountain. On the big rock.